So today's daf is Chet in Rosh Hashanah. We are on the top of Chet Amud Aleph. We are six lines from the top of the Amud, where it says Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Shimon, Omrim Bechad Bitzrei, speaking about the machloket um, that we have as to Maaser uh, Behemah, whether the cutoff time for Maaser Behemah should be the first of Tishrei or the first of uh, of Elul. That's the machloket. So the, the question is, So the two sides are uh, basing themselves upon the same pasuk. What, the question is, what is the, you know, where, where is there room to have a difference of opinion about when the cutoff time is going to be for the uh, maaser, for the animals? Uh, seemingly it should just be based upon the... Uh, just be based upon the uh, uh, you know nature, like when when it is when these cycles take place. But apparently, there's somewhat of a gray area, so they learned it out from pasuk. And the Tanakama <coughs> was the one that said it was Elul, and the Rabbi Elazar and Rabbi Shimon said that it was uh, the first of Tishrei. So he says that both are learning from the same pasuk Shinemar, and this is a pasuk actually in Tehilim. So you know, it's not like learning it out from pasuk in the Torah, but they're looking at a pasuk in Tehilim where it says La um, that the uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the the sheep are uh, wearing um, like uh, uh, meaning that they're they're covered with uh, uh, they are uh, they become big they become covered because they're pregnant is the way that they're interpreting it they become literally I think what it's talking about there was this Karimatzon is talking about the the um, uh, the uh, wool that becomes very heavy on the on the sheep at that time of year in the springtime, and then there's the shearing of the sheep and everything. So it looks like they're wearing pillows, like lavashu karim matzon. I think that's really what it's talking about, uh, technically. But they're t- interpreting it as meaning like the, they become big because they're pregnant, because that's the time of year where they're having babies. And then it says va'amakim yat fuvar, and the um, the valleys are covered, are wrapped in grain, meaning to say that this is the same time in the spring where you see that the fields are full of grain, and it says, that it's as if, like, the, uh, the grain in the field is singing out to God and, uh, and celebrating before God. So, and Rabbi Meir, of course, is the Tanakhama. So, Rabbi Meir says, When is it that the, that the sheep are all big because they're pregnant? It's at the same time that the Fields are full of grain. And when is that? That's, uh, that's in Adar. So, uh, so what happens is that the sheep become pregnant in Adar, which is the same time as the, uh, the fields start to become covered with grain. And and they give birth in Av. And uh, So therefore, since you see that most of them give birth in Av, because it's a five-month gestation period, so therefore it makes sense that... Um, that the new year would be Elul, because that means that, you know, we're trying to figure out naturally, like, when the cycle ends for their birth for that year, that's the way, that's what makes the most sense. So, if they're becoming pregnant in Adar and they're giving birth in, in Av, so then Elul. Now, Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Shimon, they say, no, when is it that the uh, sheep become pregnant? It's at the time that, um, that the, the uh, grain in the field is singing out to God. And, when do we see it as if, the stalks of grain are praising God. Bin Nisan. That's in Nisan because they're more fully grown. In other words, so you see them waving, you know, uh, in the in the fields. In the Adar, it's just starting out. It's starting to cover the ground with uh, with some grain. But in, in Nisan, it's already waving and moving. And it looks like a dance that it's doing. So that's what it's talking about there. So 
What does that mean? Benisan mitavot. So that means they become pregnant in Nisan, uh, right? That's a, so. Oh, so that's Benisan. So mitavot Benisan viodot beElul. So that means that they become pregnant in Nisan and they give birth in Elul and Rosh Hashanah shall Tishrei. So then it makes more sense to say that their Rosh Hashanah is going to be Tishrei because, in other words, they're both basing themselves on the idea that there's a five month gestation period and if most of them become pregnant in Adar, so that means that the, that most of them are giving birth in Av. If they're mostly becoming pregnant in Nisan, then they're mostly giving birth in Elul, and uh, whatever the month is after that is going to be cut off for the Rosh Hashanah of, uh, of those sheep. That's the idea. Now the, um, uh, but the Gemara is going to say, But what about the uh, Rebbe Meir? Doesn't he recognize that the Pasuk says that it's talking about a time when the grain is waving and dancing in the, uh, in the fields and it's more fully grown? It's talking about Nisan, not Adar. That's talking about the later growth. Okay, but the ones that are, but the original, in other words, it's true that there are, uh, that there are uh, animals that are getting pregnant a little bit later on in the season. Okay, but uh, that's, uh, those are not the primary. The primary time of heat for them or whatever mating is in Adar. What about Rabbi Elizabeth Shimon? Doesn't it say at the time where the fields begin to be covered with grain, that's the time where the animals are getting pregnant? Those are the early bloomers. In other words, there are some that are... Uh, you know, so the, the early ones, the late ones, in other words, they both agree that there are animals that get pregnant in Adar and there are animals that get pregnant in Nisan. The question is, what's the primary? According to Rabbi Meir, the primary is Adar and therefore the Rosh Hashanah is going to be in Elul. And according to, the, to Rabbi Lezen and Rabbi Shimon, the primary is in Nisan and therefore the Rosh Hashanah is going to be in Tishrei. That's all. So it makes sense according to Rabbi Meir because the Pasuk flows nicely. It says, when do these sheep become big, basically, at the time when the grain is cov- starting to cover the, uh, the fields? And then the, second, the last part of the Pasuk is talking about an even later stage, where there's uh, still, continue, you know, the animals continue to get pregnant and the grain continues to grow. But according to Rabbi Elazar and Rabbi Shimon, they're using the end of the Pasuk as the main time. Because they're saying that when is it that the sheep actually become pregnant? It's at the later time. It's at Nisan, which is at the end of the Pasuk, not the middle. And they agree that, uh, that there are also those that, are, that do it earlier, right? But they're skipping the middle of the Pasuk. In other words, they're saying that what's the primary time that the, uh, the sheep become pregnant? Uh, in the, in the, the time when the grain is waving and dancing, which is the later part of the Pasuk. But the middle part of the Pasuk is talking about the exception which is the ones who are the uh, early bloomers, okay? So, but that makes the pasuk disjointed and doesn't really follow, it doesn't really flow, right? So the Gemara says, El Amarava, rather Rava says, that uh, everybody agrees that the pregnancies are happening in Adar. It's a totally different question. We're not, it's not a scientific question about when animals become pregnant. It's about the following pasuk. It talks about taking the tithes. There's tithing of uh, animals and there's tithing of grain. According to Rabbi Meir, Aser Taser teaches you that each type of Maser goes according to its own nature. So just like the gan, just like the the uh, the grain, we take the maser at the time when it is finished, when it's a, you know when it's reaching its um, its point of being mature. So too, when it comes to the maser of animals, 
We go by when they're finished, when they're reaching their, uh, the completion of the process. In other words, therefore, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to, the, uh, uh, to the grain, so the Maser is going to be based upon Tishrei because that's basically when everything is finished. But when it comes to uh, the animals, it's going to go by Elul because that's when they're finished basically with their, with their pregnancies for the year more or less. It's going to be relative to the particular type of uh, item that you're dealing with. It's a more arbitrary In other words, we're not saying that, oh, just like when it comes to the grain, we're going to go by grain and say, when is grain generally finished? Generally finished uh, right before Tishrei. So Tishrei is the Rosh Hashanah. And we're going to say by, uh, by animals that when are they generally finished? Uh, by Elul. That's what Rabbi Meir says. Uh, the Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi Shimon are saying, no, it's a Gzera Shabbat. Just la- since we've already established that the grain, uh, the, ma- the time of the Maser is Tishrei, the Gzera Shabbat just transfers that fact of Tishrei over to the case of the animal Maser as well, even though it doesn't necessarily match the birth patterns of the sheep. It's still, we're taking a Gzera Shabbat and we're extending the, the Halakha over there. Now, Bechad Tishrei Rosh Hashanim. And the first of Tishrei is the Rosh Hashanah of the years. What's the relevance? We're talking about Shtarot. Uh, we're talking about, uh, like we said in the beginning of the Masechet, to uh, date the uh, documents properly. Did not. If you have a Shtarchov, uh, you have a, uh, a promissory note, or a, you have a, um, a document that is predated, it's Pasul. If it's later, if it's post-dated, it's kashir. Now, what's the reason? Because we've said before that a person will predate uh, a loan and actually empower the, uh, the lender to go and collect from the properties that he's not entitled to. Because if I took the loan in Nissan, really, so only items that I possessed in, in Nissan are subject to a lien to satisfy that lender's demands. Because anything else, anything that I sold before that, I can't say to a person that I sold something in uh, Adar that he should have known I was going to take a loan from this guy in uh, Nissan. So there's no lien on there. But if I already had a loan, I took it in Nissan, and then I sold the property uh, to somebody, so then the um, the lender technically could take that property back to satisfy the uh, the loan if I don't pay it. And that's on the, you know, that's the problem of the, uh, the buyer. So what I could do as a trick is I could predate the loan to try to give the lender more options in terms of uh, collecting on the loan, but it's unfair, really. It's illegal because I'm claiming that the loan took place earlier than it did, and I'm giving him the ability to take away even properties that I sold before the actual loan was uh, extended. So therefore... Um, that's pasul, but if you want to limit the ability to uh, collect uh, f- collect from properties, that's okay because you're not causing anybody any harm if the lender is willing to agree to that. So then, uh, then it'll be okay. Now, um, didn't we learn already in the Mishnah that the first of Nisan is the Rosh Hashanah of Kings? And we already said that that's to tell us about Shtarot, it's to tell us about contracts. We already saw this, basically, right? In other words, it's saying that when it says Shanim, Rosh Hashanah the Shanim, it means for the Shanim of the Gentile kings. And when it said Nisan is Limlachim, that was for the Jewish kings. But both of them are actually mainly relevant to the writing of contracts and the proper dating of contracts. What 
What is the Rav Chesda really? Ca-? Now we see that this is just obvious. It's right in the Mishnah. So what is Rav Chesda really doing? I mean, he, he made this distinction for what? It's obvious that the Shanim, it's talking about the, uh, the Gentile kings, and the Nisan is talking about the, uh, the Jewish king. says, no, the answer is that, um, if you go back to the beginning of the Masechet, the first couple of pages, where the Gemara worked through, how do you prove that Nisan is really the beginning of the year? How do you prove, you know, for the Jewish kings, how do you prove that Tishrei is really the first day of the year, the first uh, month of the year for non-Jewish kings? Why is it that some Jewish, some non-Jewish kings, we counted from Nisan and so on, all of those psukim to understand them correctly, so that's what Rav Chizna, his objective was. So, um, Alternatively, maybe Rav Chizda thought that no, um, when it says in the Mishnah, Shanim, it's not talking about the kings. That's something else. When it said Limlachim, that was talking about the Jewish kings. And that's why Rav Chizda had to come along and say that's only the Jewish kings, not the non-Jewish kings. He wasn't just saying what the Mishnah says, because according to him, when it says Shanim, that it's Rosh Hashanah, the Shanim in Tishrei, it's not talking about the kings anymore. It's talking about the Tzkufa, it's talking about the astronomical calculations of the calendar and so on, things like that. Like Rabbi Eliezer says, the universe was created in Tishrei, and therefore our understanding of the cycles of the planets, moon, stars, etc., is all going to be a cycle from Tishrei. So Shadim would have to do then with astronomical calculation and figuring out matters related to the calendar, and not uh, with, um, it wouldn't have to do with the kings like we said above. Because that, Rav Chizda already introduced to us that distinction on his own without needing the Mishnah. So now the Gemara says, Rav Nachman, Bar Yitzchak, Amar, Ledin. It's not, a, that, what does it mean that Rosh Hashanah is the, uh, that Tishrei is the Rosh Hashanah of, uh, of the years? It means for din, for judgment, like we know, right? Dichtiv, Mereshit Hashanah, V'Arachrit Shana. It says Hashem is watching Eretz Yisrael, Mereshit Shana, V'Arachrit Shana, meaning from the beginning of year to the end of the year, Meaning from the beginning of the year is judged what's going to happen at the end. And how do you know that the month in which God is judging or the Rosh, the Rosh Chodesh at which God is judging uh, the Jewish people or judging the world is Tishrei. That you should blow the Shofar on the Rosh Chodesh in the Kese of the day of our holiday. Now what it's going to say is the word Kese means what is the one holiday we have where the moon is not visible because it's a new moon? The new moon is so small you could barely see it. You would barely be able to see it normally. And so therefore, um, the, uh, the, uh, uh, it's called a time that the... Uh, when the... When the moon is covered, when it's uh, not visible, we read this pasuk all the time, right? That it's uh, it's a judgment, it's a law for Israel and a judgment for the God of of, of Yaakov. So the idea is that uh, that that month, that one Rosh Chodesh or that one holiday, which is a Rosh Chodesh, and therefore the moon is not visible on that time. That is the uh, the holiday where Hashem is judging the entire world with Rosh Hashanah. What does it mean? It means that uh, the Bedin of Shelmala, the upper Bedin, the Bedin of Hashem, is not going to judge until the Bedin down here makes the determination of when the new uh, month is going to be. That's why it says, Mishpat it says, Right? You have to have the... Uh, the law of Israel, and then Mishpat Eloi Yaakov 
then there could be a judgment of, uh, of the God of Jacob. Only then. Okay, so now it says, Tanya, Tanya Yidach, we learned in another Baraita, that, Ki chok that means that the judgment is only for the Jewish people. And how do we know that also the nations of the world are, uh, are included in the judgment of Rosh Hashanah? That even though the, the, uh, it says, it's for the God of Jacob, meaning not just for the Jewish people, but for Hashem to judge everyone. So then why does it mention Kichok Yisrael that it's uh, specific for the Jewish people? Because the Jewish people are judged first. Whenever the community and the king have to be judged, the king goes first. Right? Like Shlomo Melech says, So that means that the king goes before the, uh, before the nation. And my time, what's the reason? One is that you don't want to leave the king standing outside waiting for his turn while other people go in first. It would be rude. Before the, in other words, if the king goes first, that's before the temper of the judge has been worked up to be, you know, really hot. So he gets less of a hard time. It's more respectful to the king because he's not going to get, as, he's not going to get bashed as much. Um, but once uh, you get to, towards the end of the case already that the, the, the judge is getting frustrated, getting angry, then the, you're going to get the full brunt of it. So the point is that the Jewish people are treated like the king, not Elvis, uh, the real melech, and, um, the, uh, and the, uh, uh, therefore they, uh, uh, they, they're judged first, but everyone is actually judged, not just them. Now, it says in the seventh year, it will be a Shabbaton of the land. And we learned Gzera Shavah from Tishrei, Dichtiv Mereshita Shana, because it says from the beginning of the year, and that's Tishrei. Vilegmor Shana Shana Minisa, Dichtiv Rishonu Lachem Lechotshia Shana. Why don't we learn Gzera Shavah? From Nisan, it also says there, Rishon Hulachem Lechotshe Hashana, Tanin Shana Sheinim HaChodashim, Mishana Sheinim HaChodashim. We saw the exact same Gzera Shavah, but the opposite. In other words, before when it learned a Gzera Shavah to Nisan, it said, we learn the one that has Chodashim to the one that says Chodashim. And here we're saying we're learning the one that doesn't say Chodashim for the one that, to the one that doesn't say Chodashim. Sheinim HaChodashim, Vein Tanin Shana Sheinim HaChodashim, Mishana Sheyesh Ima Chodashim. In other words, here we were going to learn a Gzera Shavah straight year to year, not months of the year to months of the year. And therefore, we learn that it is Tishrei. Well, Yovlot, the Yovel. Yovlot, Echad B'Tishreihu. Yovlot, B'Yud B'Tishreihu. Are you telling me that Yovel begins on the first day of Tishrei? It begins on the 10th of Tishrei. It begins on Yom Kippur. Dekhtiv. B'Yom HaKippurim, Tavu Shofar B'Kol L'Artzachem. Right? That's, that's when you start the real heavy uh, lifting of the Yovel. It starts on the Yom Kippur. So it says, Ha-mani Rabbi Yishmael ben Oshel Rabbi Yochanan ben Borkahu. This is Rabbi Yishmael, the son of Rabbi Yochanan ben Borkahu. We just learned about it. I think yesterday it was in the Daf. Netanya. Well, in the Baita. Why does it say you have to sanctify the 50th year of the Yovel? Because it mentions the blowing of the Shofar on Yom Kippur. Maybe you'll think that the Yovel, really the sanctity of the Yovel, only begins from Yom Kippur. How do you know that that's not the case? This is actually the halacha. That from the beginning of Tishrei, from Rosh Hashanah until Yom Kippur, the slaves don't go home, but they also are not allowed to work. They just get to eat and drink and celebrate on the, uh, 
on the cheshbon of the master, basically. They get to credit his credit card, right? And then, they're wearing a, uh, crowns on their heads. Once Yom Kippur comes, then they would blow the shofar, the Beit would blow the shofar on Yom Kippur. All the slaves would go to their homes, that's when the fields go back to the owners. In other words, that particular thing happens on Yom Kippur, but it's actually Yovel from the beginning of the year, so the master cannot enslave or force to work anybody um, from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. He has to let them party, but he doesn't free them officially until Yom Kippur. Now, um, and one of the reasons they give, I think, um, one of the explanations, philosophical explanation, is that you want the Shechur Avadim not to be an act of generosity of the, of the master. The idea is that it's coming out of a recognition of Malchut Hashem. And the ultimate recognition of Malchut Hashem is on Yom Kippur. So since that's the ultimate recognition of Malchut Hashem, you want it to be related to that. Not, uh, not just that the uh, master let the slaves go because he wanted to. In any case, now it says, um, what do the rabbis do with this pasuk? Since the rabbis seemingly hold that the Kiddushat Yovel doesn't begin until Yom Kippur, they disagree with Rabbi Ishmael. They say that it's to teach you, we're going to see in a couple of, I think in the next parak actually, we're going to see an opinion that says that you don't do Kiddushat Chodesh. Because it says, which means you only declare Mekudash, the year of the Yovel. You don't say Mikudash and Rosh Chodesh. It's a machloket. There's actually a machloket. The one view says that when the month is 30, when the, the previous month was 30 days, you say Mikudash. When, it, it, when it's 29 days, you don't. And one says the opposite. And one says that you never do. And one says you always do. So there's, there's a whole discussion later on in the Masechet about when you do it. And this is taking the view of those who say that you never declare Mikudash, Mikudash and the Rosh Chodesh. Okay? That's, now, obviously, that's not the halacha. And also... It's not the halacha that the Yovel starts at the, uh, on Yom Kippur. The halacha follows actually Rabbi Ishmael Benoshel Rabbi Yochanan Ben Borka about that. Now Tanya the Brighter said Tanya Yidach another Brighter Yoveli Mato Mudomar the Fish and Nebar Kiddush Shemet Shnat Hamishim Shana Yachol Hashem Shemet Kadesh Bolechet Mitchilata Kach Kadesh Bolechet Bisofa. You might have thought that just like the beginning of Yovel is uh, starts out holy and goes up to Yom Kippur, right? So it's. Um, so you might also think that maybe it should continue in its Kiddushah all the way to the next Yom Kippur. Maybe you should get extra. Go to the next Yom Kippur. Right? So it says, and, uh, and you shouldn't be uh, surprised about the suggestion because uh, sometimes you, inc- you add holiness onto the, uh, onto the Shabbat. Like you extend Shabbat, you know, you, you can extend the, uh, the, the time of Shabbat into weekday and it's no problem. So uh, you might think the same thing. Talmud lomar yovel hi shenat hachamishim shana, meaning that uh, only the fiftieth years they yovel shenat hachamishim adam kadesh v'yatav kadesh shenat hachamishim v'achat. There's no kedusha into the fifty-first year. V'rabanan, what do the rabbis say about that? So they will say because the rabbis don't learn from v'kidashtim that uh, the, the kedusha of yovel starts from Rosh Hashanah. They don't learn that. So therefore, they, where are they going to learn the idea that the kedusha doesn't extend past? Uh, uh, past uh, the fiftieth year, they all say Shnat Hamishim Atamone Vietamone Shnat Hamishim Vachat. The Pukei Mid Rabbi Yehuda Amar Shnat Hamishim Ole Lekan Ole Lekan Kamash Melandila. That's another machloket about the Yovel. Does the Yovel count as part of the Shemitah cycle or not? It's a big machloket. According to the Chachamim, it's saying we don't count the. Uh, according to Rabbi Yehuda, Shnat Hamishim Ole Lekan Ole Lekan. 
Meaning to say that when you get to the Yovel, it's also the first year of the new cycle of the Shemitah. There's no separate 50th year. They're saying, no, that's not true. You don't call the 50th year the 51st year, meaning we don't consider it like the first year of the new Shemitah cycle. The new Shemitah cycle is going to be, begin in the 51st year. Not like what Rabbi, Rabbi Yehuda says, that the, uh, that the 50th year, that the Yovel itself is the first year of the new Shemitah cycle. It's actually, according to Chachamim, broken up unevenly because you have 49 years and then you have the Ovel and then you start the first year again the following year counting up to the Shemitah. So that's the, uh, there is an interesting Tosafot on the previous, um, on the previous uh, Dav because uh, it, where it says Shachodesh mit Kasebo that there's a Rabbeinu Tam that he doesn't like Rashi's interpretation that you can't see the moon. He has another, uh, he has another interpretation. He says that uh, that the word mitkaseh doesn't mean covered up. Um, he says that, uh, he says that, uh, where is it? He says that, he, that it says that, Avalon Nisan Chodesh, Vinechseh Vyezbo Chag, Elash Zer Chago Bobayom, Venech Chodesh Unechseh. So he says that, Rabbi Nathan says, mitkaseh mizuman. Because, like the Pasuk in, uh, in Mishlei, Lioma Kese Yavobito. That um, there's a that it means some, it doesn't mean that the uh, that the moon is is covered, but it means that it is established on that uh, at that time. And uh, there's other interpretations there too of what it means. Keseliom chagenu. Interesting interpretations in that Tosafot that he brings from Kalir and other other things. Interesting to look at. Every time this uh, discussion of Chodesh uh, mitkasebo comes up. Rabbeinu, the, the Tosafot always cites the opinions of Rabbeinu Tam and Rabbeinu Mishulam, other Balea Tosafot that had different interpretation of what the Kesil Yom Chagenu uh, really means. Okay, so Bezrat Hashem will continue uh, from here tomorrow, Daftet, and uh, have a great day.